Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is the 5 o'clock Cats at Night show, the number one show, uh, well, in the tri-state area, at least, or the East Coast. And uh, in the studio with us, we have uh, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, a common sense Democrat, Congressman Peter King, common sense Republican, Lydia Serrano is back. That's it. Guess Welcome who's back. back. Are you back? Welcome back. I'm back. Better than ever, baby. That sounds good. Also meaner than ever? <laughs> what meaner? Oh, wow. Well, you're proud charming, of that. You're the charming, charming and urbane. Over I mean, here. when I need to be mean okay. against the radicals that are trying to take over our country. Well, <laughs> we have a great show for you today, and uh, this is the show that everybody listens to, and you can only get certain information on this show and no one else, and introduce our first guest. We got Bill O'Reilly on the line. He's got a great show Monday through Friday right here on WABC Radio, Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. He's got a great book that's out, Killing the Legends, The Lethal Danger of Celebrity. I just looked it up on Amazon. The reviews are off the hook, off the chain, as we would say, us New Yorkers, almost a five out of five rating there uh how many 19 million books sold so far in his killing series welcome back to cats at night bill o'reilly lydia about 19 million of my books in print yes there you go uh, we appreciate the nice mention thank you uh we're down to 22 days 21 days uh i'm losing track uh bill o'reilly where the heck are we i think there's uh a turn here toward the republicans and um i think that President Biden, with the ice cream cone um, in Portland, Oregon, telling the reporter that the economy is strong as hell. That's mm-hmm. a quote. Mm-hmm. Now people are getting really nervous about him because we already heard that the border is secure. We know that's not true. And right after um, he made that statement, um, you know, the stats came out, the highest level of inflation, 41 years for seven months. And now today, CNBC reports a 100 percent chance of a recession. And there's Biden saying, no, no, it's strong. Don't worry about it. So I think that uh, people at the end of October who have any investments get their uh, portfolios sent to them in the end of the month, and they're not going to be pleased, and that'll be enough to um, put a red wave in motion for November 8th. Well, the country is in trouble. I mean, it looks like uh, uh, the price of, of gasoline is on the way up again. The price of heating oil is on the way up again. Diesel fuel, interest rates. You can't. Nobody's buying a house. And you can't sell a house. Can't buy industry. a house. Yep. So look, it's not a good picture um, on the economic front, on the immigration front, on the crime front. People are going to get um, their revenge because most people just want to make a living. and They don't want to be in the circumstance and it, the Biden administration is going to get waxed. I think that Zeldin may win in New York, outright win. Do you think people, Bill, it's Richard Weinberg, do you think people are also very upset about the woke politics, the identity politics from the Democrats? I think that's, you know, lower down the list. I mean, Obama sent a message over the weekend. He did a podcast where he just basically said, you know, you should knock it off. Um, it's it's all um, judged in a big bowl, and the bowl is it's not working. 
you know, none of this stuff's working. So I always, you know, I always say to my uh, audience, whether it be TV or radio or, you know, my columns that I write, give me one thing that Joe Biden has improved in this country, just one. And, and they, they can't. And then Hochul, too. I said, look, if you, tonight on uh, Common Sense, you'll hear me say, OK, look, I understand and respect political dissent. I'm not going to say that you're a moron if you don't see it the way I see it. But here's a simple question. What has Kathy Hochul made better in New York State? Can any of you give me one thing she's made better? Hey, Bill, don't put us on the spot like that. God, we only give have us an a, hour. Give us a week. We'll try to think of something. <laughs> Maybe. But really, no. I mean, look. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I'm still trying to figure out how she gave herself a billion dollars to do with whatever she chose to do. You know, but just break all of it down. Break it right down to the essential point. If you are elected to improve the lives of people, you should be able to point to one thing. Give me one thing. And, you know, they can't. Biden can't. Hochul can't. Pritzker, the governor of Illinois, can't. The Democratic Party can't. And that's why I think now and, you know, they say, well, the Senate, the Senate. I think the Republicans are going to take the Senate by two now. And um, they may even take it by more, because if you look at the governor's races in those states, um, that's a key. If the governor, like in Ohio, DeWine wins by 15, then Vance is going to win by five because not that many people are going to split the ticket when things are going so poorly, I think. Same thing about Georgia, Bill? I think he won the debate, Walker, which was I'm sitting there and I watched it. I actually watched it. It was carried on uh, News Nation. I do my job. Most people didn't watch it. I watched it. And he's, you know, very inarticulate, um, but he held his own or more with Warnock. And so now I think you're going to see the polls. And again, um, Kemp is going to win the governorship there by a lot over Stacey Abrams. Yeah, but I think the people in Georgia want to vote Republican. And so as long as Walker came across as halfway credible, that, right. was, that was the only bar he had to reach. Yeah, They gave him an excuse to vote for Walker. I mean, that abortion thing is still rolling around. There's no doubt that he is a problematic individual, not just a politician, but he's a problematic individual. I don't know what happened. And I give everybody due process the benefit of the doubt. Bill O'Reilly. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Pennsylvania. That's it. What I just read my mind. So Fetterman's wife came out against that NBC News reporter that said Fetterman. It's ridiculous. I know. Look, Fetterman looks like a hell's angel out there. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry. But is this what you want in the Senate? Is that it? You can have a you know a tattoo on your forehead. I mean, my God. And Oz isn't the greatest candidate in the world. Let's be honest about it. But again, eh, you don't have what you don't have in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is the governor thing. A Democrat's going to win as governor. So there's no pull. But Fetterman is so ridiculous. It's it's like a cartoon. And so I was my uh, squeak by it. Philadelphia. You know, that's the thing I'm worried about there. Well, machine. Fetterman wanted to turn the way I put it. He wants to turn. Phil, uh, Pennsylvania into what Philadelphia is. 
which is yeah, a, he's a, so war a war zone. Yeah, you know, again, why would you vote for this guy? What do you think you're going to get out of this? Um, at least Oz will vote for law and order. That's for sure. And he's right? a common sense well, guy. Doctor Oz is common sense. Look, me and you, we live in New York State. Uh, the congressman lives in New York State. Everybody, we all live in New York City, New York State. I mean, wh- I, wh- what's going on? I, I, can't people understand that we all we want is law and order? I mean, I'm not complaining about anything else. I just want law and order. Bill O'Reilly, have the Democrats realized that this whole... Can you answer my question first? Oh, I didn't know you asked Please. the question. What's going Please, on? Lydia, let him ask, answer my question. I didn't hear the question. People well, believe what they want to believe. So I did an interview today with Jan Wenner. You guys know where he is? The publisher of Rolling Stone. I remember that guy. Okay. He's got a book out. And he's a classic liberal guy classic liberal guy and he's always been that way and rolling stone magazine epitomizes the left it's not what it used to be and he's turned it over to his son but i asked him in the interview if biden ran tomorrow would you vote for him again yeah he's a great president that's what jan winner said he's a great president great and i said well if that's the case why is his approval rating at 39%. Stumped him. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have it. He, you know, so his approval rating is at 39%, and all of the media still backs him. So why? how can you say he's a great president if 61% of the American people want him out? So there was no answer to that. So then you go back, and, and he lives in Manhattan, Wenner. And we were talking about the quality of life decline. And my follow-up question to him was, you lived here when Giuliani and Bloomberg ran the city. You know what it was like then. And you know what it was like now. How can you still be a liberal Democrat and support liberal Democrats when you've seen the dramatic drop in quality of life in New York City? It's right there. You can You're saying it. it the way it is, uh, Bill. His answer was, he basically says, I think liberalism works. And no matter what the evidence, no matter what you show me, I'm never going to change my mind. So when you say, what are these people? Why do they continue? Because they believe what they want to believe. So Joe Biden eating the ice cream cone, which costs him double what it cost last year, and he didn't pay for it, but, you know, says the economy is very strong. Well, 35% of people are going to go, yeah, it is, even though, uh, you know, they're just because they want to believe that. And that's just the way of the world. Well, the economy is strong. But they're forcing it into recession. The real estate industry, as I predicted two months ago, is starting to to stumble and is starting to have banana peels. Well, when you say the economy is strong, it's not traditionally strong because of the inflation rate. And that takes away from wages from regular people going to work. Regular people are not getting an eight and a half percent raise this year. But that's what the level of inflation is. So they're losing money under the Biden administration. And so you would expect 
expect the working people, which is 80% of the electorate, to come out and say, look, we gave him two years, he screwed it all up, we're going the other way. And in my, and in my prediction here on WABC today is it will be a red wave. I agree with you 100%. And what are you going to be talking about on your show tonight? I got a number of things on the line tonight. Uh, we're looking at this corruption in the FBI now, and that's a, a problem that should make everybody very sad. Uh, the Federal Bureau of Investigation at one time was the uh, premier law enforcement agency in the world, and you know, there's no doubt now that it tried to interfere in the 2016 election, get Hillary elected. And again, it came back in 20 and and did very, very dubious things. Nobody at the top level, Comey, McCabe, been held accountable. And we we get into that, um, you know, with the facts. I'm always a fact-based guy. Here it is, what happened. And uh, Comey and McCabe, nobody's looking at them. I think if Republicans take Congress, though, that might change. Understood. And uh, Bill O'Reilly's on every uh, every day, Monday through Friday, on WABCRadio.com, BillOReilly.com. Uh, and uh, and he's one interesting guy, and he's one common sense guy. Well, after all, this, the show is called Common Sense with Bill O'Reilly. That's right. And I uh, want everybody to check out Killing the Legends if you want a good read that tells you a lot about America. I think you'll enjoy that book, and it's always fun to talk to you guys. Thank you so much, and I'll be listening tonight. Thank you. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. We're back, and we got so much to talk about. We're waiting. David, Governor David Patterson, another common-sense Democrat, is on on the phone, and he's going to talk to us about all the crap that's going on in New York. David Patterson, the horses in Central Park. I love horses. I think they should be treated first class. They should be treated better by their owners. And that should be a requirement. But it's part of the ambiance in the city. I mean, I don't know where you stand about it. We've never talked about it. What do you think, uh, Governor? Well, when I was governor, I arranged that all the horses in the park would have two weeks vacation where they would go, you know, to the country and not be in the park. And I go through the park. At least once a week, and not one of them has ever thanked me. <laughs> wow. Ingrates. They're just ingrates, Governor. <laughs> wow. I know let me, let me tell you something. They deserve two weeks' vacation. You're absolutely right. And uh, do they, they get sick leave? Uh, they take care of the horses. Well, the, the, teamsters, the teamsters represent the drivers. Uh, shouldn't the, the drivers take care of their horses uh, well enough that nobody complains? Well, you know, there's certain things that they're going to need. They're going to. You know, the certain assistance they need because of where the horses are in the park. But it's it's kind of been a back and forth struggle for a period of time. And if it's below freezing or below 40 degrees, I agree. They shouldn't, they shouldn't take them out. They, were, they shouldn't be there yeah, at all. Yeah, there were there and were laws a, passed. And it's above 90 degrees, 95 degrees, right. I wouldn't take them out again. Right. There were laws passed way back when, when I was at City Hall, dealing with this. There's some people who want to abolish that industry. For those of you who don't know, uh, Judge Weinberg previously was, uh, what were you, Chief of Staff, General Counsel? General Counsel. To the Speaker of the, uh, uh, of the City Council, uh, Speaker uh, Peter Malone. Right. So this was a hotly contested issue. There were plenty of people who just want to abolish the industry. 
And there were also plenty of people who want to save the industry, as John pointed out. Because I love those horses. It's of part course. of the ambiance in New York. So the legislation that was ultimately passed, which is compromised legislation, was to make sure if it was too cold, you, you kept them in. I and agree. if it was too hot. And it, you gave them good, I agree. good health care, and you gave them water, and you fed them. You fed and them well. And I agree well. with Governor Patterson. We should give them two weeks vacation in up upstate. John, I, I, I and, always uh, agree with Governor Honor, Patterson. That was done by the city council. That's right? correct. That's correct, yeah. Governor David. Yeah. I was saying I always agree with you. I learned that a long time ago. You know almost everything, almost. Except now, the Mets. <laughs> except Governor, Governor the Mets Patterson, uh, they, they, there's originally the uh, the state. I think did a uh, provision to have. Three casinos in New York City. Downstate. Downstate. New York City? Or just downstate or just downstate. New York City? Downstate. Well, here's what happened, John. In 2013, in, Yonkers, in 2013, the legislature approved casino gambling. It went to a referendum of the public. It passed by a, a, a much larger margin than you would think. It was almost 60-40. People voted for casino gambling. And then they did the worst thing that government could ever do. They they uh, issued four casino license, licenses to upstate New York. They then created a 10-year runway, and so downstate wouldn't get the licenses until 2023. The problem is, and nothing against upstate, but there aren't the number of people circulating up there to keep a casino running. So almost all the, the casinos up there, if they're not in Chapter 11, they're real close to it right now. The other three licenses would be downstate, and that would be the greater metropolitan area. So it would be Long Island, Westchester, along with New York City. And Rockland County, I think, would be considered that as well. And right now, the state has getting ready to uh, issue an RFP for those who want to bid on those licenses. What does RFP mean? Can you explain that? It's a request, request for proposals. Proposal. No. I agree. And uh, David Patterson, um, right now, uh, is there any favoritism to any of your location? Have you heard rumors on? So that's what sort of came up in this New York Post article today involving Governor Hochul. I don't think that that's actually true. What's happened is that Genting, which is a Malaysian um, casino company and has a property at Aqueduct, it is a video lottery terminal, so it's not a full casino. And then the, uh, uh, there's in Yonkers, MGM has another video lottery terminal. So since they've been uh, in business for 10 years and apparently they've performed well, there's been a feeling that they would have the inside track to get two of the three licenses. And the third license is, uh, you know, would be up for a bid between a number of different groups. And for full disclosure, I work for the Las Vegas Sands Corporation. Yeah. So we'd be interested. That's full disclosure. However, however, I have to kind of side with the other two companies because in the bidding, in the form of what the bid will be, uh, you know, that community, that Activity that they already have was given a in preference. Any situation would be considered a, 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 an advantage, right? They, they specifically so, said, in the, Governor. They specifically said in the legislation that that was one of the things you had to consider. So fundamentally, you're giving a preference to those who pre-existing operations. Exactly, and uh, the uh, it, uh, the, uh, the process I think is is very good. The only mistake that I think that they made is that 
they want to pick the location after they pick the winners of the bid. Well, if it's those two, the one in Yonkers and the one in Aqueduct, that would be easy. But the other companies have got to go out and kind of figure out if they win the bid, where are they going to put the casino? And I think that was an egregious error on their part. Uh, Governor Patterson, hold on. We also have on the phone with us a mutual friend, Reverend Al Cockfield, and he is mad as hell about all the crime. Uh, Reverend Cockfield, are you there? I'm here, John. How are you? Good. How are you, I, I've, been, I've been yelling. Me and Governor Pass have been yelling about we want the horses in Central Park. It's part of the ambiance of New York Listen, City. It's a I part asked, of the I asked the, of New York City. I, I asked uh, Mr. Demopoulos, uh, Demos Demopoulos, who represents the Teamsters, represents the drivers of, of the horses, to come on. But he doesn't want to come on for some reason. I don't know. And... Uh, I love those horses. I, you know, I think they they should they should uh, be in Central Park, but they should be treated right. That's the most important it's thing. Bad that he won't come on, John, because I'd really like to hear what he has to say. There are definitely two sides to the story. Yep, there is two sides to the story. Reverend Cockfield, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I think you should call Mr. Demopoulos and tell him to come on the show too. I, I will have no problem doing that. I love horses. When I was a young kid, my parents sent me up to Lake George. Of life, and I've been in rodeos. I've been riding horses since I was yeah. ten years old. And, and, they should, and they should be treated right. We should treat Absolutely. them right. And you know, treat them right. should, you know, and uh, that's all. The, I think if we treat the horses right, and it's part of the ambiance in New York, the horses should be in New York, and we shouldn't we shouldn't shoot the horses down or send them to, the to the glue factory. No, but that's exactly what happened. Because if you abolish that industry, where do you think those poor horses wind up in the glue factory, Reverend Cockfield? Governor Patterson is very much concerned about the uh, going to the subways and tell us about the crime in the streets. The Reverend, uh, uh, Reverend, you live in Brooklyn. Governor lives in Manhattan. Uh, give us, uh, give us uh, your version of what's going on in Brooklyn. So, so I live in. I actually live on the Rockaways, where that young boy got killed the other day, fifteen years old on the train, mm-hmm. right down the right around the corner from my house. Mm-hmm. This is this is atrocious. We. There's a serious problem with these young people picking up guns, shooting people that look just like them. It's it's terrible. I'm sure the governor will agree. These young boys look like each other. How can you pull out a gun and shoot yourself? That's exactly what they're doing. Well, I don't encourage them shooting people look different either, Reverend. And okay. Reverend Cockfield, okay. we've okay. had eight it's murders so terrible. far on the subway. What do you what do you think about this this trend? I mean, we're seeing overall crime in New York Major City crime up, is up. up right, almost forty percent. It's yeah. it's and who's being killed? You tell us who's it's, being killed. It's, it's the young black and brown community. The, the kids from my old neighborhood. Community. I grew up in Harlem. Listen, it's terrible. It's awful. And you're right. It's not just it, no one should be getting a gun pulled at them at all. Right. There is a problem. And police officers have to come outside, leave their homes and defend these streets. And it's a lot. It's a lot going on. We have to get it down. We have to turn this stuff around. I think we all knew that there would be issues as a result of the pandemic, just leaving young people that couldn't go in the park and play basketball. But they're out on the streets. And when they're out on the streets, they were not out on the streets looking for libraries. They were being recruited by gangs or forming groups themselves. And this is the result of it. Now we have to counteract it with some serious action. And uh, yes, taking guns away from people is important, but it's also important. But we have to lock them up. 
You got to lock them up. You can't let people out. These people have been arrested for violent crimes. Why isn't Albany? Why is or isn't Albany allowing us to lock up the violent criminals? It's terrible, John. We have listen. I, I, unfortunately, I guess people have to wait till something bad happens to them, uh, close to them. They suppose they should take care of this bail situation because if you pick up a gun, if you're doing a violent crime, you're picking up a knife, a pole, anything to hurt somebody, inflict pain on someone else, you need to be locked up. You should well, not be walking around. Well, the they, they had. Let me let me just say something before because we only have a minute left. We have the uh, coming up the hard break. Uh, Hasty, the head of the assembly has his district in the Bronx. I understand mm-hmm. he called the police department or the mayor's office or somebody. I don't know where I heard it from. He, he, and, and he complained he doesn't have enough people in his district. Give me a break. People or police? Enough of police in his district. Wow. Listen, everybody. He's complaining to the police department. Well, John, that might wow. be a step in the right direction. Well, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Reverend Cockfield. We'll have you on again this week. And Governor Patterson, we'll see you in the office. And God bless you guys. And thank you for trying to help New York. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. And now... Uh, Congressman King, you're going to do our next introduction for our next guest. Yeah, I'll be happy to. Uh, Miguel Martinez Sands is a uh, the, uh, president of St. Francis College, college I went to many years ago. And in many ways, the college is the same today as it was then. Then it was all first and second generation Irish and Italian who had nobody in their family gone to college today. It's new immigrants and others who are going there. But the school and all private schools are going through tough times. Miguel is doing an absolutely great job. Miguel, welcome to the show. And anything you can explain to us about the condition? of private colleges. I think everyone wants to hear it. <laughs> Thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. Look, I mean, I think it's a, it's a complicated situation, right? We're, we're a college that's been, as you, as you mentioned, we've been serving, um, you know, the underserved working people of New York City for 164 years. I mean, we've been at it for a very long time. And, you know, as the, as, as the city gets more and more expensive, as, as some of the, what I would call some hostility to private college education, you know, makes its way around the media, you know, we get caught up in this collateral damage. Let me give you a sense of what I mean by that, Peter, right? We talk about, the media likes to talk about a higher education, private higher education is a monolithic, right? It's not, we're not like NYU, we're not like Columbia. I'm not beating up my colleagues there. You know, we're a college that is committed to serving working people, right? And so it's a different kind of play. I don't have a massive endowment, right? I don't have price points in the 70s, right? Our adjusted gross income of our families in the 60s, right? So how do we make a quality education affordable to those folks in a city that's as expensive as New York, Right. With this with a state government. And I'm not beating up anybody in particular that is not really supporting the ecosystem comprehensively. What I mean by that real quick is they're focused on the publics, which is fine. Let me give you a data point that's important. One point two million folks going to college in the state of New York. Five hundred thousand are served by the private sector. Right. There is not only. There's not a public only option. And so what I've been frustrated by being in New York in the city and the state is that we don't recognize that colleges like St. Francis that have been doing this a whole lot longer than most need to be supported for us to continue to do the work we do to enable these families that send their, their, their young people to us to continue to do so. 
Now, uh, several years ago, they in- uh, increased the funding available to students going to state schools. Now, how has that impacted a school like St. Francis? Well, the the increase was modest. So we've got two 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 places where there's some some numbers, right? So just give you a sense, and and so the the listeners can get a feel, right? What is the cost to educate a student in New York City, right? Just imagine that as a concept, right? We're in the very low in terms of our expenditure rate per student, although we provide a quality education. Why? Because we take out some of the frills, right? We don't have the climbing walls that everybody talks about when they talk about private higher ed. There are two pots of money that come to us when we're talking about working people in New York. Right. If, you, if you're earning, if you're a low income earner, you have access to the Pell a grant, which is called it 6500. And then there was a modest increase to the tuition assistance program, which is the TAP, the New York um, State Award for Low Income Families and, you know, call it 5100. So now, right, let's let's push it up and say you're at 12000. There's no school in the country that can actually educate folks with $12,000 per student. Right. So that becomes already a burden. What's happened in the state is that there's this movement calling for the, the, the tap gap. What is the tap gap? Uh, you, you, you know, your listeners may not know it. I don't know if you, know, you would know it given. Uh, work. Miguel, this is John Katzmanides. Can I interrupt yeah. for, for 20 seconds? Absolutely. I'll tell you why, because the next reporter we have on the New York Post, I understand the legislature has given Governor Hochul an extra $1.7 billion to distribute as she sees fit to help the various communities. Uh, why can't you get part of this $1.7 billion? Well, I, I mean, suggest can, you, you, you listen up, to our conversation with, with uh, Miranda Devine that's coming on next mm. to talk about the the extra, the $1.7 billion that's being distributed by the state to help local communities. Look, I mean, I think just <laughs> to your point, John, I think what's happening is, is what I was going to say with the tap gap, what's happening with the public's. And actually, the governor has said this. She wants to increase the enrollments at Publix by approximately, you know, 500,000 students. Think about the number I just gave you a second ago. There's a really big push, not only at this at the New York State. There's so also in other words, she wants to increase it, increase it at, at the Publix and want to hurt the privates? So that way well, you guys get hurt, you, got, you guys get destroyed, and, they, and that way damages. your students have to go to, to uh, Publix? Well, look, think about what happened here when uh, when Stringer was running for mayor, right? Stringer said, I'm going to make CUNY Community Colleges free for everybody in New York City, right? That's the end of our college. Why? Because we are an alternative to the CUNY environment. And so what happens if you're a family that earns $30,000 a year and they tell you you can go somewhere free or you got to pay a couple of nickels? It's not that you have discretionary income that you don't want to spend. So what you're seeing, and I had the undersecretary for the department, uh, James Qual here, this past week, uh, last week, talking to us about what they're doing. And I said, one of the things I said to him, when you push the free community college program, you have collateral damage to schools like a St. Francis that he celebrated openly, publicly for the work we do serving low-income communities. And I said, but indirectly, you're hurting us because you're, you're distorting the market in such a way that students don't believe that we're a real option when we are. 
right? So that's what I would say, John, is that there's a distortion in the market with the media talking about privates as if they're these monoliths of affluent schools, which is false. And then the media, some of the media, not all the media, you're not doing it on this channel, talking about the reason that public higher education should be free. I don't know if everybody knows. I'm sure your next speaker will say so. There was a movement, and I'm not sure I haven't heard much about it, for a constitutional amendment in the state of New York where education would be an entitlement through the undergraduate degree, right? That's the kind of animus that we're fighting against. Now, uh, by the way, thank you for coming on. If you like, you can stay on because we have Miranda Devine on the other line. And uh, Miranda? Hi, John. How are you? Good. Uh, Miranda Devine with that beautiful, I love that Australian accent. (laughs) Even though you're an American citizen. She's from and, Queens. That's a and, Queens and love accent. Them. No, that's Australian <laughs> accent. And, and uh, by the way, on the phone with us, and we asked them to stay on, uh, is uh, Dr. Martinez, uh, how do you say it, Peter? Science. Science. Uh, from St. Francis College. And I said, uh, and they're, they're not being funded by the state or city, and they need help. And I said, I understand uh, that Miranda Devine is, is going to be on the next and stay on and listen to her, uh, because I understand that, that the governor has $1.7 billion to distribute within the communities of New York City, New York State. And why can't is, – is he eligible for it at St. Francis College? Are you asking me? Yes, Miranda, what do you think? Oh, he, he certainly should be eligible, but I don't think that this governor wants to give any of that money to anything useful or worthwhile. So unfortunately, I think that you may be at the back of the line. Miranda, it's, it's Richard Weinberg. What do you think about the legislature giving her that money unfettered by any kinds of checks and balances and controls that she can just use it the way she wants? What do you think about that deal? It's unbelievable. It is so corrupt and it just shows that there are no checks and balances. There is no accountability for how public money is spent in New York. It's been too long in the hands of Democrats. Uh, You know, for 20 years, the governor's office has been run by a Democrat and it shows that Kathy Hochul is uh, just following in Andrew Cuomo's footsteps, if not worse, because she's so desperate at the moment. Their polling is showing them that Lee Zeldin has caught up and is actually looking quite good to win. I mean, it's tight, but it's a pretty miraculous Excuse thing me, Randa, if he can pull it off. Randa, this is PK. I understand uh, Dr. Martini saying he has to cut off right now. So, Miguel, thank you for being on the show. And Miranda, it's back to you. Hi. Yeah, so that, that's really all I have to say, just that, that it's so corrupt Uh, There's no accountability for public money. This is a lot of money that is just being used to pork barrel and try to prop her up in an election that she should lose by all rights. You know, there was a piece, I think it was in the Post, Miranda, that talked about the history of the Democrat incumbent officers statewide. Lieutenant governors, governors, attorneys general, controllers, all forced out of office Leaders of the state assembly, leaders of the state senate, forced out of office, criminal convictions, jail time for some of these folks. This is a horrible situation when you have one party government. What say you? It, it certainly is. And it's across the board. You look at any state 
any city that has been run continually by Democrats. And look, I would say if it was run continually by Republicans, there would be corruption problems as well. But when there is effectively no opposition, you have, it's not the way politics is meant to run in this country. And uh, it just leads, it's human nature. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Wow. Well, where do we go from here? Tell us what else we uh, oh, yeah, we got 20, 21 and a half days left to the election. Uh, which way do you see it uh, shaking right now? Look, I think it's looking good for Republicans. I don't want to jinx them, but it's certainly, you know, the polling is starting to turn around and showing that there's um, a lead for the Republicans. I mean, no one, everyone sort of thought the House would be uh, okay and it would be possible for the Republicans to get that back, but they were very cynical about the Senate. But, you know, you're looking at some of these races where uh, the, the Republicans are coming from behind uh, and doing really well. And then you look at Lee Zeldin uh, in New York. He's just the little engine that could, you know, outspent. Uh, the media's not on his side. Um, he's just been working hard consistently for the last 18 months. And he's a decent guy. And I think once people get to see who he is and they see his family, they look at how his very formidable background, you know, in the military, um, he was a prosecutor uh, and, and also a three-term congressman. He's, he's a guy, he's very humble, he's very understated, but he is someone with a lot of very good plans. He's honest, he's not corrupt, he's shown up Kathy Hochul for her corruption, he's promised that there will not be donors beating a door, door down his office door, he will not be doing any special favours. And apart from that, he's going to fire Alvin Bragg and he's got a whole lot of other law and order issues. And that is what New Yorkers really care about, that and the economy. And uh, the Democrats have had, they've had a chance. They've been in office long enough. And look at the terrible disaster that New York City and the state have fallen into under Democrats. And the legislative leaders refuse to budge on all the legislation that they passed that makes the city unsafe and the state unsafe. Absolutely true. And, you know, the governor does have power over that. They have the, the power of the bully pulpit. Uh, they have the power of funding. Uh, they can, you know, he, he can call emergency powers, as he said he's going to do on crime, as Kathy Hochul uh, did on COVID and still does on COVID. I mean, she rolls over those emergency powers every 30 days. Uh, once you give these guys power, it's very difficult to get get it back from them. But I think when it comes to crime, we really do need to to call in an emergency well, I wonder, and do something. Judge, uh, you're, you're familiar with the state laws. If there's a new governor, can the governor uh, uh, call it a, an emergency crime problem and make uh, the rules of a governor? No, the, it's legislation. The legislation has to be amended or, or rescinded. But what but, if he calls it a crisis? But you call it a crisis. You bring the, the legislature back. You hold their feet to the fire. You don't let them out of the room until they make the changes. They keep asking for statistics. The statistics are there every day. I understand. Major crime is uh, up. We just talked about it with Governor Patterson, and we talked about it with Reverend Cockfield, mm -hmm. uh, that I understand that uh, 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 Speaker Hasty was complaining to the NYPD uh, that he doesn't have enough cops in his district in the Bronx. He was the guy defunding the cops. Yeah, stop defending cops and stop uh, going after them. 
protect the men and women in blue because they're walking off the job, they're retiring, they're moving to other states that's more hospitable. But here's the issue for Lee Zeldin. I'm seeing a lot of the videos on social media. Miranda Devine, I want you to weigh in on it. There are a lot of lies being told about him. I saw this video down in Washington Square Park. They're saying all these things about abortion and he's going to say about the homosexual, all these crazy things that he's some kind of radical right wing nut job. So that's what I think he has to overcome is all the lies that have been spewed by the left. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I've seen those ads too. There's an ad saying that he wants to, you know, ban abortions for everybody, uh, you know, even if you've been raped. I mean, that's not true. He's not touching abortion law. That's what he said. The law in, is the law in New York. He has no no power to do that. So, and no no interest in doing it. It's not part of his platform. He has a really specific platform, but of course the Democrats are going to lie about it. And of course their base is going to, uh, you know, believe their lies. But I don't think that matters. What what Zeldin really needs is he needs those kind of blue dog Democrats. He needs the independents. He needs the moderates and he needs the Republicans to come out and vote for him uh, in full. And look, he does say that when he calls this crime emergency, he has the power to roll back uh, the no bail legislation, that bail reform, and turn it back to what it was uh, previously, before January 2020, uh, when it had a modicum of, of sense and logic to it. Um, and of course, they'll take him to court, but he says bring it on because he's quite happy for there to be a public debate about this. He's quite happy to turn the clock back at least for 30 days. Uh, that law was a disaster. It wasn't just bail, it was discovery, it was everything. You, you lawyers the age, will know about the age. that. Yes. Also, Brian, as you exactly. said, the governor of New York has a bully pulpit. So whether he succeeds in court or not, he can turn this around. If if you want to fight with the legislature, put them on the spot. And Kathy Hogle has not had the guts to do that. Amen. No, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm really sorry to hear that. I liked her as a person. So do I. And I think she, you know, she has to stand up. Well, thank you so much, uh, Miranda, for coming on. And thank you for everything you do for the people of the, the world, the country, and the city. Thank you. Because we thank need so somebody much. to tell the truth. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you, everybody. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line for us is Dr. Mark Siegel, one of the greatest doctors in the world. Do you like that introduction, Dr. Siegel? Yeah, and the, and the listeners are all saying, when is he going to get to meet Lydia in person? <laughs> so we were watching you this morning on Fox Business, and you explained the Alzheimer's. There's a new development. Tell us all about it, because it's really it's really incredible, the, the medical advances that are happening. Well, for one thing, I'm on here talking about this because Casamitides is a little too concerned about it, but I'm telling you. I, I forgot is- about it, so I want to, I want to be able to treat myself better. Yeah, he forgot that he was interested in the topic. Exactly. But he but he actually, you know, Lydia, he doesn't have a single cobweb. So we don't we don't have to worry about John. John actually outpaces most of our 40 year olds. So um, so here's the thing. We know that the brain clogs up with amyloid. Uh, and and that, and we know that Biogen has been making uh, drugs that stop amyloid beta amyloid production, and we know that the latest one, lenipamab, actually works pretty well. The other one was very controversial, but it, it, they work to some extent. But some researchers in Toronto have said 
Maybe the problem isn't the, the, the proteins, the beta amyloid and the tau. Maybe it's that they're kind of like a sign of debris that's building up because beta amyloid is supposed to help the brain heal. And instead, it's turning against the brain and attacking it. What's causing it to do that? And they conclude, Dr. Weaver up in Toronto believes it's an autoimmune phenomenon, that the body's antibodies are convincing the beta amyloid to turn on the brain. I think both are true. I think beta amyloid's part of it. But constantly trying to block it hasn't gotten us the cure we need. So I think this is an extremely exciting approach. How do we stop the immune system from causing the, the proteins in the brain to turn on themselves? That's the question. And this is the beginning of really exciting times for this. Doctor, this is Pete King. At your best estimate, or your best guess, when can something like this start to show uh, results? Well, so the next question is getting drugs that actually target these right. the, yeah. these immune modulators, and I so that's they're starting on that. I'd say it's a couple of years. Wow, this is this is this is three or four years away from the doctor's office. Still, that's great. If that's true, that's that's great news. God, wow. another piece of interesting information that's out there. I there's a study that came out that said we're seeing uh, more and more people under the age of fifty, can, you know, having cancer. What what's going on with that? And that if you're born in the nineties, you're more susceptible to cancer versus if you're born in the eighties. Is it diet? Is it lack of exercise? Is it environmental? Because we know that all plays a part when it comes to cancer. The American diet stinks. If you go to Greece, you could eat pasta all day long and you don't gain a pound. John will tell you that. He, I mean, we've got processed foods up the wazoo and they are carcinogens. On top of that, as you just said, we're not exercising. We're under stress all the time. And the last part isn't so I don't understand. I can't get enough exercise with my finger on my iPhone. <laughs> and also lack of sleep plays a part in it, too. Upper body exercise, yeah, and and the, a lack of sleep. The last part of it is is a little different, which is we're better at diagnosing these things now. I mean, I, I don't think they knew cancer if it hit them in the face a hundred years ago, but we're diagnosing it now really early, and that, so we're seeing more of it. But this trend can easily be reversed with a better diet. There's no question about it, and sleeping more. You're right. And then uh, I know you were interested in this one, Judge Weinberg, where we see what Boston University, they created some kind of. Uh... Yeah, do you know about this, Dr. Siegel, that Boston yeah. University is looking at another, another COVID variant and it with an 80% fatality? What they are they create... doing? Yeah, but, but, but who was paying them to create another COVID? I mean, haven't we learned our lesson yet? Well, wait a second. Well, I thought you it was it was formed in the uh, where was it in the Bat Cave, a thousand miles away out of the Wuhan. Wet market, now, the now, wet market. The wet market. Now you're saying that it was it could be created in a lab and it could be eighty percent lethal. What do you think, uh, Doctor Siegel? Well, first of all, you're bringing up two different topics. The Wuhan Institute of Virology was definitely experimenting on bad coronaviruses. We don't know exactly what they were doing. I don't believe a word the government over there is saying, of course. And there was a smokescreen put over it from the very beginning. And Robert Redfield couldn't get the CDC in. And it's a very suspicious situation. You, could, you couldn't convince me in a million years that it's not a high possibility that this virus spent part of its life in a lab. Maybe not the whole lab. Maybe it went into the Wuhan market and out of the Wuhan market. I mean, that's that virus. What's going on now is a bigger, I, I don't want to say a bigger problem. Nothing's bigger than that pandemic. But there's an overall problem with scientists around the world thinking that they can manipulate a virus to get the information to prevent 
further harm. And I think that that's very naive. Now, in this case, they did a study out of Boston University where they took the Omicron spike and they stuck it on the original virus. And they actually proved something which all of us knew, which is the original virus was more deadly. It was more harmful. It made you sicker. And Omicron spreads more easily. So what they do, they created a virus that spreads easily and kills you. And it killed 80 percent of the mice. And of course, now everybody's wondering, well, whoa, whoa, what if this chimera, they call it, slips out of the lab? No kidding. And starts infecting Boston. Mm. I mean, why do they do this, doctor? What is wrong well, with these people? They do it because, and judge, you're going to be fascinated by this as a lawyer. We've got judge, 20 seconds. Judge, they do this because the NIH has narrowly defined gain-of-function research as only applying if a virus gets humans sick. If it gets mice sick, no problem. Well, can get humans next, right? Absolutely. Dr. Siegel, thank you so much for keeping everybody in, informed, and God bless you. And uh, Judge Weinberg, Congressman King, King's Highway, and uh, Lydia Serrani, thanks for being back. And and thank you. What we what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing. Thank you so much for listening. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.